0: Maybe someday it becomes vitally important that we release every single monster all at the same time. Welcome back
1: to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 47. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week, and I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films, and we come together on this very podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good
0: friend. Matt Runquist, hey Travis, how you doing? You know, I gotta say, before I get into what we listened to this week, uh-huh. I sometimes regret committing to the Matt Rundquist, Right? <laughs> there's times you can when feel I feel free
1: to change it. A, a, times as much as you
0: want. When I just I don't want to do it, but I feel like committed to the bit now. So no, anyways. I you know you will notice I do change up
1: a little bit the way I do that whole intro. So you can feel free to change your thing.
0: Yeah, well, you're a better Try something form. else.
1: Do, what have you got? What have you got from me? Try something else. <clears throat> and with me, as always, is my very good friend, Matt, Matt Ronquist.
0: <laughs> no. Yeah, see, it just well, doesn't not. work. It just doesn't, it doesn't work.
1: work. Yeah. You know, All I right. think, I think, I think maybe your what you might be bristling to is it maybe feels false to you. Like it feels like you're putting it on a little too
0: much, but it's not false. I love seeing you, Travis, and I love chatting. I do with love you. seeing
1: you too. Yeah, but maybe so. it's the it's the mat. Maybe you feel that that is uh, insincere somehow.
0: Oh, it's definitely in, not. Inside. It's not at all insincere. All oh. right, but you know what, Travis? This week, mm-hmm. you listened to some music by the indie rock band Quasi, and uh-huh. I watched the movie Cabin in the
1: Woods. Oh, yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I'm very excited to talk about both of those things. But before we
0: do, uh, how have you been? I've been real good. It was Thanksgiving week. It certainly I, was. I had my daughter and her fiancé here. if That's what I said last week, but I realized yeah. that sounded fancy, and I figured I would be less fancy. <laughs> a little insincere, say. even? <laughs> yeah, a little insincere. So, uh, no, he's he is French. He's a French national. So Oh, well, uh, so, uh, so that it can, was appropriate, then. It was appropriate, yeah. And... Uh, we had a really wonderful time. We got to go to the Milwaukee Public Museum. We went down to the lakefront. We did a little bit of shopping. Oh, uh, they're actually getting married pretty quickly here for legal reasons, right? Oh, zitalo. Yeah, zutalo. And uh, then they're going to have like a big party later, right? Uh-huh. So uh, we did a few arrangements for the uh, legal wedding, and that was pretty fun. Uh, the dogs are doing great now. They're all, they're enjoying. I, you remember I told you we cut a hole in the back of the house and put a door in it.
1: Which was actually, we were talking about the whole ear thing and the, and how bonehead got, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. coneheaded. And, um, the, and I was wondering if it had to do with the door, like you used to have to like kind of like plans yeah we used to be
0: i think there used to be a little tighter supervision and there is now right but we maybe got a little bit lax for a few days and we we definitely are bonehead's ear definitely paid the price so but uh that's all going really well everybody's really well trained they're behaving around one another that's all good so oh and his stitches are out so that's really nice good yeah.
1: oh that's nice so that he's more comfortable with that he's quite oh, a bit more nice. comfortable yeah. so all of our dogs are at the moment good
0: yeah all good all good
1: excellent yeah so I had a I had an interesting uh, friends giving myself uh, but otherwise I worked a lot so I worked at the uh, new retail job uh, Friday Saturday and Sunday and then it that was last weekend which Wait, was two days how ago. How long has it been since we've talked? Oh, was it? It's it been like, like 10 or 11 so... days since
0: we last okay, talked. Okay, so that. it
1: has been longer than normal since we've talked because we've had to rearrange schedules because of my work schedule. And um, it feels like so. But I've been working so long, no off days to mm-hmm. speak of. And often I'm working the, the TV job and my retail job, uh, and then poor Coco is just, you know, getting walks in between like Mm -hmm. before work, between work, after work. And, um, so I feel, I feel bad
0: for her, but, uh, otherwise everything is going pretty well. Um, well, I would say the, the nice thing for her is that you're paying off her veterinary bills and, and yep. giving her yep. the best life you can give her. So, you know, sometimes you got to sacrifice for the kids. So that's just what you're doing. Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. One thing I wanted to do, I was listening to our old uh,
1: episode a couple episodes back, and uh, I, I wanted to touch on this uh, something from Judge Dredd. Ooh, uh, do okay. you mind?
0: I don't so, mind. I would love to touch judge, right?
1: So so you one of the things you had a problem with was um uh like how how they had this megacity and then nothing else outside the city and uh and like yet they had all the resources to build these tower these skyscrapers with the blast doors and all that. And and of course my writer brain got to working on that dilemma and I was thinking about how that could come to pass. And I I realized that what might have happened is they built Mega City One pre-nuclear war, Mm -hmm. right? They built it to basically withstand a nuclear war, Mm -hmm. and that's just what it did. So up until, you know, whatever year the the nuclear war happened... they built these megacities to be, you know, and who knows how they got the materials. They, we might've learned to mine asteroids by then and get all the materials from, you know, they say one big asteroid has more steel than we've ever used. Mm-hmm. So maybe we or uh, more iron than we've ever used. So maybe they've managed to mine an asteroid or something by the, by the year 19 or 2080. And which seems reasonable to me. And, um, and then they built these megacities to withstand the nuclear mm-hmm. war that everybody was fearful of. And then the nuclear war happened. Mm-hmm. And so everything that wasn't built to withstand it got destroyed. Mm-hmm. So that's why they were the only things left.
0: Okay. So where does where does your writer brain think the food is coming from? Oh, also space? Uh...
1: <laughs> no, no, no! They've built they've built uh, urban farms. Mm. So in these towers, uh, they they have basically inside farms that are hydroponic or whatever. Do you
0: remember SimCity two thousand? No, I never was a fan of SimCity. Oh, uh, SimCity two thousand was. I think it's probably the best of the genre. They got it got really weird later, but SimCity mm. two thousand was perfect. And in that, they had what were called arcologies, which was basically a tower populated by like a hundred thousand people and it had like gardens and and it mm. could produce its own food it had produced its own power it basically was a city in a building and then of yeah, course yeah. if you got far enough in the game some of the arcologies would actually take off towards space but that was i never got that far i heard oh, wow. about it later but yeah
1: yeah, yeah, I think that that's a reasonable explanation. Uh, and uh, I mean, if you're okay, I'm fine to move on. I just unless you unless you need to challenge. That.
0: I do not need to challenge it. I think All right. that logic speaks for itself.
1: Great, thank you. Uh, but one other thing, <laughs> wink, wink. He says one other thing that I wanted to bring up is I did catch a tiny little info drop that you did in that episode where you mentioned that you liked Carl Urban in The Boys, and are you watching The Boys? Yeah.
0: That's a superhero show, Matt. Yeah, I, man, I this is I I don't understand why you think there's like this black and white line where I will just never ever enjoy a superhero thing. And your words, basically, you've you've made it you've made it abundantly clear that you don't like any superhero movies. It is no, that's not true. I liked Thor. Uh, I think oh, it was Thor, Ragnar- Thor Ragnarok. Oh, Thor Ragnarok was that Ragnarok? the the okay. first. uh, The first YTT YTT one, one. yeah, yeah, and there was one other one I liked too, but clearly not well enough to remember what it was. But there's there's a few of them that I like, and I like some of the older ones, right? I like the Tim Burton Batman, I like um, the Tim Burton Batman, Uh, (laughs) Batman Returns, yeah, uh, Christopher Reeves and Superman. Like I like some of the older ones. Uh, I just don't really like what they've sort of evolved into. And I would say I the Bo- the boys, is uh, an action horror show that has superheroes in it. I would but not. It's also, so violent and
1: gory. Like I, I would have thought that that would turn you off. I like the boys. Kind, I mean, mostly it's it's not a great show, but it's I enjoy it.
0: Yeah, I quite like I quite like the boys. I think it's good. And
1: I just I just finished watching Generation V and uh, and liked the first
0: season of that kind of a lot. Yeah, I liked Generation V as well. Huh, Although I okay. feel like I feel like there's a good potential for it to go off the rails in the second season. It yeah. felt like they had a nice tight story this season, and I, I am a little concerned that they're like going to get renewed and not actually have a story to tell. Sure, yep, yeah, that happens a lot. I, this, there was something that
1: popped into the back of my brain when you said that as an example, but I can't remember what it was. Uh, but
0: did you? Oh, do you watch? Uh, did you watch Invincible? I watched Invincible in the sense that it was on but I was dozing off a lot. Oh, Amy liked it I, quite a bit. I really liked it better than The Boys. Yeah, I, w- I would say I'm I'm the reverse. I, hmm. I Invincible was fine to me but I preferred The Boys. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay. Well,
1: uh that's some good information for me to uh to stick in my head and uh carry forward. Uh, how would you like to get into the meat of the episode?
0: Oh, well, I think we should definitely shake things up a bit and do the music first. Yeah, let's do the music first. Tell me about Quasi. Quasi What's the deal with them? <laughs> Qu- Quasi is a indie rock band that was formed in the mid-90s. It is only two people, Sam Coombs, who plays a roxychord, which is a keyboard that is supposed to sound like an electric guitar, but really kind of has its own vibe and uh his ex-wife janet weiss who is a fantastic drummer she's best known for being in the uh riot girl punk band sleater kinney this was sort of a side project for her and now it's her main project because she left Slater kinney a few years ago ago and now Sleater oh. Caney is a two-piece. Uh they're an indie rock band, but obviously they sound quite a bit different than a lot of them. And then the other big appeal of this music to me is the lyrics. He's a Sam Coombs is a wonderful storyteller. He has really clever ways of talking about the world as it is, the world as it could be, and also just talking about sort of the difficulty of life, I guess. I, I would say sort of the modern condition he comments on a lot, and I really enjoy it. Fairly, uh,
1: it, uh, oftentimes very up to date. Yeah, like you know, he's talking about doom scrolling and 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 mm-hmm. being on social media and TikToks and stuff.
0: Yeah, like that, so. it, that's actually one of the reasons that I wanted to make sure that I gave you a playlist. And so I actually think that Quasi is best experienced through entire albums, but. I wanted to make sure that I got some of those recent songs on here so that you could hear they really do, you know, cover recent topics. So there are a lot of musical freakouts in this, and I was a little concerned when I heard it that you were going to just be like, well, I hate this. Um, So, Travis, did you, in fact, hate this?
1: Hate's a strong word, Matt. (laughs) Uh, I don't like using the word hate, but this is, uh, this was an, uh, this was to me an, uh, a playlist full of noisy rock, mm-hmm. uh, noisy kind of sad rock, like, uh, it was <laughs> sad rock, <laughs> you know, um, there was, uh, there, a lot of it was music that was, tough to listen to for me and and before i before i i will say that mostly it wasn't for me and i kind of want to hear before i say more what you loved about him
0: what it is that you like about them well i think he's just a really clever lyricist like if you look at the song a fable with no moral right it's talking about a person who is down on his luck and so he has to sell his soul to pay his rent and then the rest of the song is him trying to collect on that debt so that he can you know continue to live and it's funny and sad and well done you know it's like i i like listening to it but i also you know, I laugh when I hear some of the lyrics, you know, there's a, oh yeah, there's a lyric in there about how Satan drives a Land Rover. I think that's very funny. Huh.
1: It's funny because I, I, so I listened to this playlist twice through and I had, um, so today, and I, and I wanted to wait until today to listen to it again, because uh, the first time, Kind of completely erase itself from my mind, and i don 't know if that was because i was i've been so busy and and a little bit stressed and a little bit tired, or if it was because i I just didn't care for it, and so my brain was like, nope, don't need to keep that and the uh and so listening to it the second time through i, I kind of think it was the latter, mm-hmm. and um although you know it could be a combination of all of the above, but i uh, it was just a lot of things that um uh the songs to me didn't have hooks mm. and uh they were kind of more like I, I, oh here's something in, that was interesting as an experience i liked the very beginning of almost all the songs oh yeah yeah the first like few measures especially when it's just the the first instrument that comes in the rock score yeah or whatever it was was it always a rock score i don't know but it it sounded different uh sometimes mm-hmm. and i really lo- and i was like oh this is interesting and then it would come in with some other instrument or something that was too loud and obnoxious and and noisy mm-hmm. rather, than, rather than complimentary and uh, and it would usually uh, kind of check me out so uh, so that's an interesting experience. There was one song that I liked, and fortunately it's the longest song, so I'm glad I liked it. Uh, you put in a fable with no moral, yeah. and that has no noisiness in it whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It's actually just kind of pleasant music mm-hmm. um, now looking back on it and I, and I went back to listen to that song a third time just that song mm-hmm. and even now what an hour later I can't remember how what it what it was I can't remember how I know how it sounded. all
0: the lyrics to that song that's the that's what I'm talking about that's I I went and sold my soul so I could pay my rent I waited by the mail, but the check was never sent. So I called the devil up, but I just got his machine. I left an angry message, said I got to have the green. I'm not going to do the rest of it. But like, <laughs> that's funny, right? Like, like you would call the devil and be like, you know, if you don't send me my money right now, I'm going to be very upset, right? I just yeah. love the idea that there's like this Albert Brooks guy who's just really peed off at the devil and – he said he was going to give me this money for my soul and he just didn't even do it. That is
1: that is kind of funny. And uh and uh, you know if I if I became familiar with that song more, I can see appreciating it even more. Uh the other and I did also appreciate that we had yet another vampire reference in this playlist. <laughs> Um, I don't know if you did that for me or, or what, but, uh, here we are. This is a uh, vampire reference number five in this mm-hmm. podcast, I think. And, uh, so that's cool. But I just, I found the, I found in general, Matt, I found the songs a little too noisy. Um, a little too, I didn't, I missed there being some sort of hook. They felt, they felt rambling, uh,
0: mm-hmm. from a
1: musical point of view. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, uh, I didn't find anything particularly special about them that made me want to. Um, wow, interesting. To yeah, yeah, that's
0: that's interesting. So did you did you do what I told you to do and look up lyrics?
1: No, I haven't had time. I'm mm. sorry. You know, and this is the, this is going to be a common thing with me. And, and I think I did think about this. This band, especially this mm-hmm. playlist, I can see young straight boys listening to this probably white boys playing listening <laughs> to this song in a club uh listening to this band play music and having a great time doing it mm-hmm. but for me listening to it on my headphones mm-hmm. having it piped directly to my ear with uh, without other mm-hmm. you know kind of atmosphere uh i just did not like that experience so okay
0: Okay. Well, that's and I I think
1: that that's a difference between you and I. I think you often like music that is really good in a club because you go to clubs and listen to music. This is true. I don't. And uh, one of the things I was going to ask uh, our listeners is to kind of parse that knowledge and recommend music Mm -hmm. that you think I would like Mm
0: -hmm.
1: specifically. That is, you know, knowing what we know about what I like about music uh, and how I listen to music and kind of Mm -hmm. the type of music I like that happier, kind of more upbeat stuff. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Yeah, I will say this. There is there is very little that's upbeat about Quasi. It's a very dark worldview. And it's funny, the last song on the playlist. uh, Do you remember what it is? uh i give up yeah it's a song called i give up and yeah and it really is it's like things really stink i give up mm-hmm. right now keep in mind that's the end of their uh second album and they have 10 albums now so he clearly did not give up <laughs> uh, it was a lie but i also yeah. wanted to ask you so there's that song ghost vs vampire that you called out and apropos of nothing what do you think ghost versus vampire who you got travis
1: Oh goodness. Um I guess ghost? You think a ghost is going to be is going to beat
0: a vampire?
1: I think a ghost is uh is as an immaterial thing is is essentially eternal mm. and a vampire as a piece of biology mm. is uh though long-lived, not
0: eternal. Well, so... folks, I think this explains why Travis doesn't like Quasi, because it clearly states in the song that a ghost is no rival for a vampire. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he so he disagrees I mean, yeah, vociferous. It doesn't
1: help that they're just wrong about things.
0: Yeah, exactly. It doesn't help. It Doesn't help. <laughs> well, Travis, I think we've got your view on it. I, I, you know, I will say, I, I think, I mean, I like not to not to be judgy or anything, but I think you're wrong about this. Like, I think this is very hooky music, right? It oh. is in a layer of um, it is in a layer of noise that I think causes you to kind of tune out a little bit. But Possibly there are some very clever melodies. Um, there's do, it, do you remember the song about California at all? Yeah, yeah. So I find myself back in California. I feel like that's a really lovely little hook, but. Mm not yeah. not not good enough for you
1: i i didn't like it i didn't i didn't uh yeah i didn't particularly like it i did like california better than the first song uh <laughs> all the same which again uh you, <laughs> but
0: That's how, how did you
1: choose these the song order by the way when you put this to because this is a playlist and not an album so um, uh, i'm curious I, about that I,
0: did try so all the same is I I guess one of my favorite of their songs, mm-hmm. and uh, it's an album opener. So I felt like okay, it, it does somebody you know, have had already that sort of
1: argued that it belonged first. Yeah, yeah, that it
0: belongs first, and so I threw that one on there. Uh, California is probably their biggest biggest radio hit, which is to say, I heard it on the college radio station when I was. You in know college. what's
1: funny is I did find it slightly familiar, like I had probably heard it before, and I don't mm-hmm. know. Where I might have done, maybe in your room, maybe in, back in, in college. Maybe in my
0: dorm room. Yeah, maybe in my dorm. How about room.
1: that? That'd be interesting.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah. But uh, yeah. If um, you. By the way, uh, listeners can find the playlists in the uh, in the show notes. If you would like to check out any of the music, you can always go to the show notes to listen to the
0: music that we're listening to. You sure so, can. All
1: yeah. right.
0: Well, Travis, I think we're probably ready to rate. What do you What do you want to give this? Oh. I don't want
1: to give it this, but I think this is a three for me. A three. Um, It's not, it's not, I didn't hate it. It's a, it's not strong word. but yeah, hate is a strong word. And I, and I, and I think it's just not my type of music. Most of it was too noisy for me, but there was a good song in there that I enjoyed. So, um, yeah, that was, it redeemed it a bit.
0: So you liked this better than Neutral Milk Hotel? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I got to admit, I just wanted to point out once again that Travis gave what is widely considered one of the best albums of the 90s a two. I mean, by whom? Whom considers it that? The people that have the the writing sticks that they work on the internet. Like,
1: what if I were to, right now, Google best album of the 90s and see what comes up?
0: You'd probably get Radiohead, OK Computer, uh, but high up on the list for sure would be Neutral Milk Hotel in the airplane. Best the album sea.
1: of the 90s. Ugh, never mind. Sure. sure. From sources across the web, by the way. From sources across uh, the web. Loveless by uh, My Bloody Valentine in the Aeroplane Neutral Milk Hotels in there. <laughs> yep. uh, OK Computer by Radiohead.
0: The best part is about that, folks, is that he started reading the album title and suddenly realized that he had run into Neutral Milk Hotel.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, it's funny because I don't... Uh, Portishead, we've done that. Yes, Portishead,
0: we have. That was probably Pumpkins,
1: Laurel, what, How come nothing by... Uh, like, isn't... Didn't Paul Simon do um do something
0: in in the nineties and no Graceland and Rhythm of the Saints are both in the eighties.
1: Not Graceland, but uh, oh, that is Paul Simon. What about Born in England, Made in England by uh, that was nineties. By who? By uh, uh, uh my God, Elton John. Yeah, no. Okay, let me just check here. One more, one more thing, and this is uh, this is getting off the. Yeah, you're track, way off the rails
0: here.
1: I'm just looking at uh, Rolling Stones list of the of the, t- and I got to scroll no, all the way. you're down gonna to the have bottom to. Yeah,
0: to you're gonna one. have to go through all the clickbait on the Rolling
1: Stone website. Oh, it's too. It's a, Yeah, it's a, It's not too bad, but uh, it. I have to scroll all the way to the bottom. Uh, oh, Slater Kenny's on there. Or Slater, Slater Kenny. No, Slater. I think it, the the correct pronunciation is Slater. I've been saying it wrong. I uh okay Nirvana is their best album of the 90s huh Dr. Dre wow Radiohead
0: have oh, we yeah, they Radiohead? just Radiohead they actually just updated this recently oh really uh, we listened to OK Computer yeah uh, yeah that's, that's, episode that's, that's 20 number or 30. three on their list Mm-hmm.
1: yeah and then uh and then U2 Ak Chung Baby that's fair huh interesting I don't think I, I've maybe heard a couple songs from there probably but uh I'm not super familiar with you two either. Hmm.
0: All right. Well, okay. Well, You've anyways, got my rating. what's yours? My rating uh, for Quasi is an eight. I really love Quasi. I've got uh, a few of their albums. Uh, Field Studies and Featuring Birds are two of my favorite albums. Uh, this playlist is really good. It's yeah, it's way up there for me. It's an eight. Nice, nice. I like it. I like that we. I like that we disagree a bit. I would love to
1: get. I. I think one of the things we've learned from this year is that uh, we have very different tastes in music. This is and, true. And yeah, although I really did when I was young and uh, in college and, lis- and you know, hanging out in your room, playing civilization, you exposed me to a band called the Vaseline's and mm-hmm. uh, I have loved that album uh, for most of my, I mean, I, I don't listen to it often, but I do occasionally listen to it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something I never would have listened to had not been for you. So, And you know who introduced that. me to that? Uh, my dad? No.
0: Kurt Cobain. Oh. Who? No. Yes. Kurt Cobain. In person? No. Did Kurt, Cobain... Kurt Cobain have a podcast? No. <laughs> Kurt Cobain was a huge fan of the Vaseline's and he covered several of their songs on uh, their sort of Rarities album, B-Sides of oh. Rarities album called Incesticide that came out between Nevermind and In Utero. Interesting. And Was
1: one of them uh you think you're a man but you're yes. only a boy. I'll bet yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh you know what I've never really listened to uh Nevermind. Uh I probably know the one one of the songs from it. Uh You do probably da- know one of the songs. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. I don't understand the words. Yeah. Um yeah. I guess i don't you don't
0: need to assign me that. I think I know I'm how I would probably write that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not gonna assign you never mind um, great. Anyways, well, Travis, I think we should get on to the movie here. Uh, tell me about Cabin in the Woods.
1: Uh, Cabin in the Woods is a, an interesting movie. It is a it's a 2011 science fiction comedy horror. Uh, it was directed by Drew Goddard, who was a it was his directorial debut. Uh, it was written by him and Joss Whedon and produced by Joss Whedon. The two of them worked together on Buffy the Vampire Slayer a lot, and so it has a it has that very Buffy-esque vibe as far as the dialogue and it's it's very pithy, quippy dialogue, but this movie has a bunch of stuff that I really love and a couple like two things that I that I one failing and one thing that I hate. Right? <laughs> and so it's an interesting it's an interesting mix of things for me. And uh the but I want you to experience it and uh, and have us get a chance to talk about it. But uh, other, th- it starred Chris Hemsworth as uh, one of the one of the hapless teens who go to the cabin in the woods and uh, Fran Kranz, who I mentioned last week, he was from a show called Dial House, which I really like. I also happened to have met him at uh, Acme Comedy Theater when I was there, um, and also Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford as kind of a pair uh, in this movie. And I. I yeah, I don't know. I I really like a lot about this movie. Uh I guess I can tell you more about what it is or do you want to talk about it or or how do you want
0: to approach this? No, let's I uh, will start talking about it. So the thing I for one thing, I thought this movie was more recent than 2012. I right. it feels like it should be. 2011. Well, uh, 2011. Ten, yeah. And I remember hearing about it at the time it came out and being like, oh, it's a deconstruction of horror movies. And I don't care about deconstructions of horror movies because I was not a horror fan at the time. I wasn't even really a movie mm. fan at the time. And so it was always uh, pretty low on my list. And of course I had seen, now is this before or after the Avengers? This was before the Avengers. Okay. So I did see the Avengers, which everybody like they do every year, They were like, it's the best superhero movie of all time, and this is back when I was still giving superhero movies a chance, and so I saw The Avengers, and I really hated it, and I was like, Oh Wow, you really hated The Avengers? Yeah, it was boring. I didn't like it. Interesting. Okay. Um, And so, uh, yeah, so again, that didn't make me want to watch this movie, but... Uh, this is a really, really interesting film because it obviously starts with like a classic horror movie setup: five kids go up into the mountains to a cabin for the weekend, and bad stuff happens. And almost immediately, you're thrown into this world where something is going on that's more than that, and you don't know quite what it is. And I remember saying to my wife about 25 minutes into this movie, this how I feel about this movie is all going to depend on the payoff. Mm. Right. Like, is this worth, is the explanation for these sort of weird scenes going to pay off and make sense? And, yeah. and is it going to be we can, good? we can set up... For, for those who haven't seen this
1: movie, like my mom, you're probably not going to watch it, but you can know that the setup is that there is a organization that is basically setting up these kids as sacrifices in order to keep the old gods at bay, you know, who, who threaten to destroy the world. And that's... It's kind of a human sacrifice story, but like... Little subsets of organizations from different places around the country all do a sacrifice a year in order to keep the gods at bay, and only one of them has to work. And the stakes of this movie is that every one of them has failed this year, and our group here in the U.S. is the last uh, is the last group, so they have to succeed in in sacrificing these kids. And uh, and so you get to see the kind of the behind the scenes of how they push these kids to the cabin and set them up in the cabin to make bad decisions and to be uh to essentially deserve to be sacrificed like they they have to the kids have to make choices morally corrupt choices in order to deserve being sacrificed it's 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 weird, but anyway, that's the setup that's the real like weird setup of this story
0: well that's uh, that's the payoff actually, and I feel like Yeah. Okay. That I, like, I was on board with that. That was really good. Uh, The old gods are going to wake up if we don't, uh, if we don't successfully sacrifice these kids. Um, So the movie was really good. Uh, You, you know, it plays with the ideas of the different characters and the roles that they have that are sort of iconic. And the fact that different cultures have different roles sort of like there's there's very famously a japanese site that is also trying to sacrifice a a bunch of people but they're totally different from the people that the americans sacrifice and this is kind of a reference to the difference in horror films the horror genre in japan and the u.s and i thought that was very clever the idea that there are certain rules that you have to follow in terms of the sacrifice, but also that they are culturally specific was really clever and interesting to me.
1: Yeah, yeah. And also the kids choose, in our culture for some reason, the kids choose the form of their sacrifice. Like they choose the form of the monster that's going to to Mm -hmm. kill them. Somehow, yeah. like, they go into the basement of the cabin, and there's all these relics, and whichever one they end up choosing, that's how they end up dying.
0: Yeah, um, it's almost like a Hellraiser situation where you're having, like, there's something that you're drawn to, and then that ends up being your downfall, right?
1: Well, there was actually the Hellraiser uh, reference. They had a ball instead of a cube that was essentially the same thing as the uh, the puzzle box in Hellraiser.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you know. I
1: know. <laughs> oh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and obviously you noticed the uh, the demon guy character with the, mm-hmm. the buzzsaw blades in his head. Yeah,
0: Right, yeah. So this, it's really, I mean, it's all just really well done. It's pretty well put together. I did have like one really, so you know me, I love to nitpick these things. Yeah, right? let's nitpick and because I have the, a couple myself. The nit that I have to pick is the idea that there's a guard station that has a big red button that says do not touch on it. It doesn't really say do not touch. It says, like, release all the monsters. And I'm trying to think of when you're building this facility (laughs) filled with mythological monsters that you've captured. I think it says purge
1: on it, right? It says
0: purge on it, yeah. And you're building this facility, and you're like, what if... Maybe someday it becomes vitally important that we release every single monster all at the same time, <laughs> just right in, right into our facility, like not even out onto the, into the earth or into the area where the cabin is. We're just going to, we're just going to release them all right here, Um and we're going to clearly label that button and make yeah. it really easy to push.
1: And what and just one button, right? It's not like yeah. a it's not well, like a, a, a dual button system where switch. two people have to push it at the same time after there's, they turned keys. And... Right.
0: There's a switch and a button. There's a dead <laughs> there's a dead man switch and a button. And that's yeah. Yeah. So that I that I think really bothered me. But one of the reasons it bothered me is because the movie plays by its own rules all the rest of the time. It really does like play fair with the situation. And so to have that be like, oh, you wrote yourself into a corner and this is how you wrote yourself out of it felt yeah. like such a, like such a lazy cheat.
1: Right. It, that's interesting. Cause I, I hadn't ever thought about that particular thing, but you are absolutely right. Uh, to me, from a from a writing standpoint, it's just fulfilling the Chekhov's gun problem where yeah. you see all these and as a viewer, it's just super satisfying to see them all in action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but you are absolutely right. It doesn't really make sense for that button to exist uh, in, in this world. Uh, there are a couple other things that I had issues with. Like, how does that force field through the canyon work exactly? Mm-hmm. Like, mm. how...
0: Oh, they invented you
1: know. that. Yeah, they invented a whatever device. Uh thank yeah. you. Uh yeah. and then uh, so I get I get that. That's even not one of my problems. I can I can accept that in this world where you know where necessity dictates you can probably Well, and I mean
0: mythological out. creatures really do exist in this world and yeah. and all sorts of like magical science fictional things are real in this world. So a force field doesn't, I don't think, stand out as like way outside the pale of everything else that they've done.
1: Yeah, exactly. Do you want to hear uh, uh, my my big grief Oh, do I? Absolutely I do. So I before I say that I will say that I enjoy so much about this movie. The acting is is fantastic. I love how game all the characters are to 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 be in this world and and like really get into it. Um there are a couple of a couple of actorly things that are kind of like, eh, okay." But mostly it's really good. The my big problem and we've talked about this before and in fact recently I think is my dislike of uh of nihilism in movies.
0: Oh, I knew you were going to call this out and I oh. Do you
1: disagree? So, I... so, so I... at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. the old gods wake up and everyone dies. The whole plot of the movie is we have to sacrifice these kids or the old gods these we have to sacrifice these four kids or, you know, teens yep. in order to save billions of lives. Yep. And not only do I not like that they ended up going with the it's worse to kill two kids than to save 6 billion or 7 billion lives angle, but they could have done it in a way that I feel was satisfying um, and and still true to the characters and kept the
0: characters pure, but still saved the world. Okay, tell me that, because I'm curious.
1: Okay, so, so they lay down this, the rule that the, the virgin doesn't have to die. So uh, you mentioned that all, the, all the, the teens are all kind of separated yeah. into different Archetypes. character tropes, yeah. right? Archetypes. So you've got the jock, you've got the harlot, you've got the virgin, you've got the, the jester, and you've got the, I don't know, something else. Um, and yeah. the, the rule is that... What's that? The other guy. The other guy. <laughs> the rule is that the virgin doesn't have to die as long as she's the last to die, right? right. She just, If she dies, she has to be last. Um, and so it comes down to the jester and the virgin are the only two people left, and they've made it into the in, into this underground lair where all the monsters are running amok. All the monsters have been released. Everyone's dying, and they've gone down into the deep, deep lair where they can actually see down to the pit where the old gods are kind of rumbling and uh, and ready to rise at the stroke of midnight. It's a it's a giant pit, and there are monsters running around. There's a werewolf that comes down, and like at one point, the girl holds the the guy at gunpoint and and is gonna kill him because she's convinced if she doesn't the world's gonna end and She decides not to which is great. Keep her character pure. Don't give her that guilt but I think it would have been perfectly fine to have one of those bat creatures fly in and knock the jester guy off into the pit and like mm-hmm. like have us have a denouement where they're like, "Wow, thanks for not killing me uh you know i i I think I agree that it's better that you know we not play this game and let and let six billion people die and uh, because as soon as they say that, it makes them culpable, and that's their sin, and uh-huh. then they can die satisfyingly uh, or just the one guy, just just the jester off into the pit and uh, and dies, and then the world is saved, she's left with the guilt that she would have killed him, or she was going to kill him, but also didn't kill him, and so she would have been willing to sacrifice everybody, so every person she sees in the world from now on, she essentially was willing to kill that person. I think that's a better ending than telling the viewer, essentially,
0: that they're not worth saving. Well, I don't think the movie takes the the idea that these people are right in the end. but I do think that these two characters have been through an experience which is extremely intense. They're still experiencing it. They're not in sort of a they're not in sort of a default mode, right? They're in an extremely mm-hmm. heightened emotional state and they've just learned that, through no real fault of their own, right? Like supposedly it's that they made some moral choice, but really they were like set up, and you know somebody put a crack pipe in their hand and lit the crack rock and put it up to their mouth and said, "Now inhale," right? Right. And right, then right. they inhaled. Yes. Right. They were they
1: were chosen and then and then kind of manipulated into making these bad decisions. Yeah.
0: R- right. And I I think it's perfectly valid, a perfectly valid choice to be to to be like, I don't I don't wanna play anymore. I don't wanna play anymore, right? Yeah. I get
1: it. And and I think they could have they could have done that and still saved and still had that decision be theirs, but then also have the movie
0: save the day, essentially. And so that, you know, so Right. It, and I think I just it's like so to... rare it's so rare for a movie to not save the day. People I mean You know, there's a lot of auteurs who will claim that, oh, I don't, you know, happy endings are bourgeois and I don't don't want them or whatever. But the fact is, is the vast, vast majority of movies end up with, at the very least, a mitigated happy ending. And the fact that this movie is just straight up, no, black screen, go, I really appreciated that. I, Mm. like... It's a different choice and it's justified by the movie, right? It's not a, it's not a nihilistic ending for the sake of a nihilistic ending. It's a nihilistic ending that makes sense in the context of the movie and in the context of the world. And if that's true, then I'm okay with it.
1: Yeah. I think my thing is that in in, in the context of the story, nothing matters because everything's destroyed, right? And so no decision anybody made matters because there's no consequences essentially because everyone's dead. I mean, the consequences, (laughs) everyone's dead. But you know what? I like people living with consequences of their actions. So I like the idea of her having to live with her decisions if the world continues to go on. It's a lot like the ending to The Mist where that guy has to live with the decision he made to, to shoot everyone, including his son. In a world that suddenly is going to go on.
0: Yeah, but um, I hated the ending of the mist.
1: I know, I know you did. So I don't. That's a big difference between us. I, I, I feel like uh, I just, I just want decisions to matter, and I feel like they didn't because everyone died.
0: Do you know? Yeah, that's a that feels like a reverse take to me. I feel like the Maybe. decision definitely mattered
1: because everyone I mean, died. it matters because everyone died. Yeah, but I mean, it also. Doesn't matter because everyone's dead. I like I feel like Nobody got if punished. I'm dead, I
0: don't care what happened to me. Like well, see, because this I'm is dead. because yeah, yeah, that's fair. You know? I think in this world heaven and hell in all likelihood exist, given all the other things that do exist. Uh, in mm. in all likelihood these people are getting eternally punished.
1: Hmm. Maybe. Um, well, speaking, speaking of, uh, as we, before is. we run out of time, my uh, one other little uh, little quibble is that when Fran Kranz is being dragged off by the zombie, he's like this, mm-hmm. He's yes. he's the stoner character, the Thank jester. You. He's being dragged off by the zombie through the woods, and later on, he comes back and says, "Oh, I uh, I had to dismember her with a trowel or something mm-hmm. like that." I didn't like that because there was no trowel Mm -hmm. and all they would have had to do to fix that and to make it actually more satisfying to me is to, as he's being dragged off, be reaching for anything and Mm -hmm. have him grab something and go a trowel. And then kind of like, and then cut like, like disappointed that it wasn't an actual weapon and then cut away. And we assume he's dead. Yeah. Um, and then have him come back and be like, I had to, I had to, you know, dismember her with a trowel would have yeah. been uh, the zombie. It is, um, would have been funnier for me, I think.
0: Yeah, um, that's fair.
1: Yeah. That's, so that's just one thing. Like, I mean, far be it from me to offer writing notes to, uh, Joss Whedon, who I think is a, a brilliant writer, but, uh, that would have been one thing for me. Yeah.
0: yeah. No, I really, really liked this movie. Uh, the gore, you know, the gore is really there, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you do have to have a ton. You, you, a lot of it is cartoonish, but you really do have to have a tolerance for gore to watch this movie, which yes. I have built up over the course of this year. <laughs> I, I didn't find myself like you know watching through uh, you know webbed fingers or anything like that. Good, good. but it's a Look it's a lot. Growing. It's a lot of blood and a lot of gore. Yeah, so it is. And a lot of it is in the last
1: in the last act, especially once every once the panic button is pushed and there all the monsters are purged. That's, the, that's where it gets real gory. Um, uh, one thing I do want to say is I, when, the first time I saw this movie, when the voice of the director comes out, mm-hmm. uh, when you, you'd hear the director's voice and it's just so distinctly belonging to Sigourney Weaver, yeah. and I squealed, and you know very well my, yeah. my adoration of, of Sigourney Weaver, and yeah. I loved that they gave her the cameo as the person running it all.
0: Yeah, that uh, was fantastic. It was really, yeah.
1: really good. Yeah, she's great, and of course, she gets hers in the end too. So, yeah, everybody dies. Everybody dies. Yeah.
0: Uh, do you have anything to add before we do ratings? No, I think we should fire it up. All right. What do? You, what's your rating? This is a nine for me. I wow. R- yeah, really. I I really really liked it. Yeah, couple of quibbles, which keep it from being a ten for me, but it's funny. It's scary. It's thrilling uh it makes you think but not like too hard right uh-huh. it's you don't spend the entire movie going what the heck is going on you spend like the first quarter of the movie saying what the heck is going on yeah and i'm yeah. okay with that so that's great yeah this is a nine for me I love that. I love that, and uh, I, I
1: I agree with you. This this is a super clever movie, and uh, it's clever from the first moment. I even even the way the opening credits work, and uh, and the way that they they juxtapose the two different worlds that we're watching until they collide is is pretty great. Uh, however, I am going to go a little bit lower than you and give it an eight because of now it's rewatchable. I've probably watched this movie maybe now the four four times. And, um, if, if not more, but, uh, but I think that that ending continues to anger me. And so, uh, so I'm going to, yeah, give it an eight. Hmm. All right. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh, goodness. Well, I, I, I know, uh, I have a related movie I'm going to give you sometime in the future, but, uh,
0: not this next time. Do you know what you're going to give me? I absolutely know what I'm going to give you, Travis. Mm Mm-hmm. What is that? Well, are you familiar with the band The Linda Lindas? Uh, No, I'm not. You're not familiar with The Linda Lindas. Well, Should I be? uh, You absolutely should be. They're super good. The Linda Lindas are a teenage girl punk band from Los Angeles. They're two sisters, their cousin, and a family friend. They uh, played in a cover band for a few years, sort of getting their chops going, and then... They started writing original songs, and in 2021, during the pandemic, they performed a song they wrote called Racist Sexist Boy at the L.A. Library, and it went viral, and they became, I, I wouldn't say super popular, but very popular they've released their debut album it's what the playlist is this (gasps) week is their debut album and they've actually toured they toured with uh paramore this year who we have discussed yep yep on a big arena tour and then next summer they're coming back to milwaukee in support of green day which is just like they are they are playing some huge, huge shows for a bunch of, you know, I think they must be like 15 or 16 now, maybe 17. Wow. Very very young kids. Oh, so, wow. I didn't realize that. That's, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, it is really cool. I would say this is straight ahead. Some people call it garage punk or pop. I wouldn't say it's quite pop punk, but it's got pop elements to it. Uh, but you don't really like punk most of the time, but I think you might like this.
1: Okay. Right. So,
0: well, uh, I am anxious to try it out as always. Yeah, uh, I think the future of music is in good hands with these young women.
1: Oh, that's so cool! I, I'm actually really excited to hear something that's essentially brand new and
0: uh, and a little bit undiscovered. Yeah, I mean, undiscovered by me at least. I was going to say it's undiscovered by you. They have like fifty thousand subscribers on YouTube Music. They're okay. they're. Yeah. They're that's, actually that's cool. I, I've almost big. got fifty thousand subscribers. Just take away a zero, and we're there.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> that's great. Well, I am going to give you uh, a drama this weekend. Since we've gone, we've done some comedy. We've done some. Uh, uh, we've done some. You know, horror. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a drama. Did you? I don't remember. Did you say whether or not you had seen Brokeback Mountain?
0: I have not seen Brokeback Mountain.
1: Okay, I didn't think so. And so we're going to go ahead and give you a big ol' gay movie. Um, One of the first... great. One of the first uh, kind of Mm. big, like, studio-level gay themed movies and yep. uh, so this is a movie from 2005 that was directed by Ang Lee and starred Heath Ledger obviously before he died and Jake Gyllenhaal as cowboys who fall in love and it also has Anne Hathaway and Michelle Williams and Anna Faris like it's got a pretty Linda Cardellini's in it and uh Randy well Randy Quaid um but <laughs> Poor Randy Quaid, uh, but yeah, it's uh it's an interesting movie, and I have only seen it one, maybe two times. I think only once, though, and so I am anxious to revisit this movie with you and uh, and see what I think. But uh, so I, so that's the preface. This is not one of my favorite movies. I do remember liking it. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember being moved by it but uh I'm also interested to see how it cuz it comes from a time when playing gay or being an out actor was mm-hmm. still not okay in Hollywood. Right. Yeah. And so uh so I'm 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 really anxious to see how that translates to less than 20 years later when we are completely I mean not completely
0: not that, but uh, yeah. much less uh in that world yeah it's interesting right because heath ledger and jake gyllenhaal are obviously very famously straight and yep. uh i i don't know if this is where heath ledger met michelle williams because uh, they were
1: married right oh i don't know i'm very i tend to be very um unaware of those
0: kind of things oh yeah i i i believe they have uh one or two children together and she oh. uh she is his widow but anyways um but what i was going to say is is you know there's you think of like uh Two Wong Fu which came out in 1995 and had Patrick Swayze Wesley Snipes and, and John Leguizamo and John Leguizamo all very famously straight men playing drag queens and and gay drag queens right they they are you know sort of doing that same thing right and of course uh, yeah. robin williams in the Birdcage. uh did anybody know that lathan lane was gay when the bird cage came out
1: i mean i think we all knew but he wasn't out at the time he right publicly and, out and,
0: yeah and it's that it's that funny line that you used to have to walk where you know you could be like freddie mercury famously didn't come out until like three days before his death. Right. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Oh, I have AIDS. Oh, I'm gay. Oh, I, and then he died. Right. It was <laughs> oh. like, you know, yeah. and a- anybody who was alive in the eighties, you know, uh, probably should have known that he was gay. But of course, because of the lack of visibility of, you know, LGBTQ voices in that time, it wasn't necessarily coded as gay. That sort of behavior wasn't coded as gay. And so yeah. you look at, you know, to Wong Fu and you look at Brokeback Mountain, you're like, yeah, this is, you know, straight people passing as gay when you would never give these roles to a gay actor. There weren't very many out gay actors in Hollywood in 2005, which yeah. sounds easy to yeah, say. And
1: certainly none with any, with any cachet or, uh, none or with any marketability.
0: at all. Yeah. 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 Um and so it, I would agree with you. This is a fascinating artifact. I am really excited to see where all the 10,000 memes come from. I got to admit, I do feel like I have seen this movie even though I haven't seen this movie. Yeah. Um yeah. but yeah, sure. Let's let's do it. Um, my my, right. my nephews are going to be here this weekend. So this should be fun. Oh, great. Great. Watch it with them. How old are they? Uh 12 and 15.
1: Oh, okay. That's yeah. It's old enough. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Well, uh, I'm excited to talk to you about it and revisit it myself. So that's great. Uh, If you, the viewer or listener of this podcast, would like to uh, listen or watch along with us, feel free and then let us know what you think by writing us an email to exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com or... Finding us on Facebook at Exposing Ourselves, and uh, do us a big favor, would you? And go to the wherever you're listening to this podcast. uh, Scroll down to the bottom of the podcast page and uh, rate us. All right, we actually got a very good rating uh, recently that I was happy to see, and uh, we were uh, someone who I didn't know rated us uh, five stars? stars. Oh, five it was stars. Five. It's a five-star rating on Apple Podcast, but uh, they rate us five stars and left a very good comment, and uh, so I do read those. And incidentally, we actually did get an email, uh, if we have time, to address it from Kevin yeah, Novacek about the oh, Phoenix good. episode. Oh, yeah. Good. He says, uh, he says there was we didn't post on the Facebook page, so he, was, he just wanted to send an email. Uh, and uh, Travis asked about similar artists, and he saw Phoenix live when they toured this album that we listened to, and Two Door Cinema Club was supposed to open. Mm. The lead singer was sick, so the local band filled in, and they are definitely a great band worth listening to. I first heard of Phoenix when the prior album came out. Uh, he heard it in Urban Outfitters, of all places. Uh, now, what's funny is I don't know if he's recommending Two Door Cinema Club. Or the leads or the band that filled in for them. Okay. Or is he saying the lead singer of Phoenix was sick and so Tudor Cinema Club filled in for Phoenix? I don't know. But do you know Two Door Cinema Club? I've heard of them, and I've heard a couple of their songs, but I'm not familiar. All right. Maybe uh, check them out and see if you think uh, they're worth recommending. Uh, yeah. And uh, he has not seen Dread, but some of the descriptions reminded him of Snowpiercer, which is a movie you should watch. Mm. And I definitely will put that on the list. Have you seen Snow Pier- Snowpiercer? I have not seen Snorpeercer. <laughs> Snorper, Snorpeer? Uh Yeah, Snorpeercer. <laughs> Snowpiercer is uh, is very good. And then uh, he mentioned that the Phoenixes had a connection to Sophia Coppola and the movie The Virgin Suicides, which I might be interested in, uh, but he is wrong. I am not at all interested in that fact.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks uh, well, very much for your email, Kevin Navonchik. Yeah, thanks, We Kev. appreciate it. Thanks. And Matt... Thank you for exposing yourself to me. Well, you're welcome, Travis. Thank you for exposing yourself to me. You're welcome.